Welcome to the 100th episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I've been waiting to say that, dog. I've been practicing. I'm your host, Brian Bott, here from Sports Advantage here in the Madison. Let's just call it in the Wisconsin area. That's what's going to be here pretty soon. I'm here with my co-host, Coach Manchie from Kimberly, Fox Valley Throws. Coach, can you believe it? We made it to 100. We made it to 100, and not only that, but I'm super jacked for our guest. Oh, man. And uh, you can introduce him in a little bit, but he started this whole thing off from our first guest. So for those avid listeners that have been with us for all 100 of these are going to know who this is. Well, I think we're going to bring a lot of energy to the table. I mean, it's a true testament, dog, to I think you and I, that we, we've we gotten to 100. We've had a lot of quality guests. Our wives haven't left us yet. We're still That's We're huge. still securely married. Right. And we're still plugging away. So we're doing something right here. Um, before we really get going, I just want to set a personal thank you to all of our guests that have been on the podcast before. We understand that you're taking time out of out of your schedule. You know, we have everything from NFL to volleyball, uh, Olympic weightlifters, wrestlers, uh, football, everything across the board, coaches. So we just want to say a huge thank you to all of our guests and all of our avid listeners. Uh, and some of you that are maybe just starting to pick up on the podcast, uh, we just, you know, we love doing this. It's a lot of fun. I think, you know, we probably have a little more fun than, than, than we probably should on it. But at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're trying to give back. We're trying to help first and foremost, the state of Wisconsin, but all, you know, coaches, athletes across the country and, and whatnot. So hopefully all the, the get your edge advice is something that you can take, you know, into your setting, whether it's a classroom the gym, uh, anywhere else, um, and some of the other nuggets that we've that we've given you. So we really appreciate all those of you listening. Dog, any any thank yous before we get our our world renowned guests on here? Yeah, I want to just uh, little little kudos and shout out to Chris Ferry. He just messaged me and he he's an avid podcast listener. And he says, "Hey, th- this podcast motivates me throughout the whole week." So a little shout out to Chris. Uh, we appreciate all those comments from our listeners, and again. You have guests that um, you think would be awesome for the podcast. Please let Brian and myself know. Message us on Instagram or Twitter, and we'll try to do whatever we can to get those guests on. Well, for those of you that grew up in the 80s, we're getting ready to turn this mother out right now. All right. We are getting ready to get going here. Uh, I am Ultra Jack, uh, one of my favorite people uh, in the world because of his positive energy, his mentality of giving but also his competitive nature, all right? He is a, a fullback for the Miami Dolphins. He is a now a motivational speaker, both in locker rooms and on the stage. He also, as we're going to discuss, is becoming a world-renowned author, and that's our man, Alec Ingold. AI? Let's go, dude. Let's go! World-renowned is uh that is a huge compliment. Do not know if that is verified by anybody. Can we get that like in a database somewhere? Like, I don't know if I have to make it up myself, but I, I love that. That's a heck of an intro right there. We're looking for a blue check mark next to your author tab. Blue check mark, baby. Verified. Uh, Alex, so you know, it's been a couple of years since you've been on. You know, maybe give us a little bit, uh, little little basic background because I know a lot of people follow you and things like that. But how have things changed in the last two years for you? Uh, how haven't they changed? <laughs> Shoot. I mean, I'm a I'm a dude that's going into a contract year the last time we're talking, right? And this is out in Las Vegas. 
go from being undrafted, moving, you know, scoring the first touchdown at Legion Stadium, feeling good, going from Botter's Gym and freaking where were we? Uh, Verona, Uncle Larry's, barn, Uncle Larry's barn, bringing <laughs> bringing some some juice to so that whole deal, bringing an identity to that. Um, you know, that's kind of where we were at last time, just still grinding, still on this move, um, still trying to prove all these doubters wrong, trying to prove your believers right, all of that, right? And I feel like that's kind of the process we were on a couple of years ago, and that's where a lot of motivation comes from. You're hungry, you're you're driven, you're moving, you're shaking, and that gets a captain nod. You know, right after the, our podcast that next season, I, I'm voted a team captain for the Las Vegas Raiders. Third year in the league, ready to freaking ball out, ready to go set all the PRs I can, ready to sign a new contract extension, be the face of that organization for as long as possible, bring in fullbacks back, freaking just that that was the brand. That's what that was the mission. And then you tear a knee up in the week 10 against the Chiefs. Tear an ACL. That is gone. Um that just sent the first domino down to, you know getting told we don't need you back here anymore to signing with the Miami dolphins to making your way back onto the field to um, becoming a key cog into that locker room to um, making the playoffs this year to uh, setting PRs and catches and receptions and yards and touches and snaps and all of that. I, I had the best year of my life this last year after an ACL. And that was a big thing that, Mentally, I decided, you know, once I tore my knee up on that week 10, you're down in the dumps, you're feeling sorry for yourself. But a decision that had to be made was I'm going to be better because of this injury through this injury. I'm going to thrive through it rather than than be be bummed out about it. And um, that's kind of how that's how it's moved in shake since since uh, two years ago. And I feel like adversity just thrown itself at me and I've made it my friend, my ally. I love it. I look forward to it. I, lo- I look forward to the opportunity to, to prove in myself and who I am as a man. And um, yeah, now we're here and we're talking, we're, we're back with the boys back on the podcast from episode one to a hundred. So, I mean, you cannot complain. I'm ready to go. I- I'm juiced. I'm excited. And I- I'm ready for what's next for sure. So, so through that process with the ACL, right, that's kind of what spawned the the thought process of writing the book, if I'm not, not correct, or right. The seven crucibles, maybe tell us about that. I mean, that's, that you know, weight room training. I'm gonna sit down and write a book. Where'd yeah, that, um, that was, you know, taking a lot of messages from mentors. I feel like a lot of people can do that. Business gym owners, people that you're working through, like finding mentors and being curious, not judgmental, like figuring out what they got going on and trying to learn from them. And when I tear the ACL, I had a bunch of mentors, a bunch of guys in the locker room that been through season-ending injuries before. So asking those guys, what was the best way to do it? How is that to do? How, how do I get through this thing? And a lot of guys said journaling, get your emotions down on a piece of paper. Don't bring it into the workplace because it's not going to help you. Don't bring it into the weight room. Don't bring it in the training room. Don't be feeling sorry for yourself. Journaling it out, writing it out, talking it out, whatever it was, that'll help you show up to work every single day. So that's what I did. And like you said at the beginning with the intro, like, I have a servant leader heart. Like I want to serve other people. I want to give back. I want to be a good person, a a good human being. And so I was able to kind of bring those journals to the next kid that might tear his ACL and having some purpose behind that. So being able to to journal it out, audio it out, talk it out so that eventually you come up with a manuscript and a book so that other people going through hard times can, um, can figure it out and, and be better versions of themselves. Like to be able to be better from adversity because of adversity, um, 
I think that was that's the main message of the whole book, embracing change in your life. And I just wanted to give the the answers to the test before somebody else has to struggle through it. Boy, Alec, that's great stuff. Um, talk about change. You know, you, you were a quarterback in high school. We mentioned that on the first pod with you. You know, then you go to Wisconsin and, you know, you ended up changing positions. But, you know, now looking back, you know, how important was that position change? Because you're probably not a quarterback in the NFL if you continue to stay there. However, you know, most kids, especially high school kids, a lot of college kids that get that position change are, are not for that. So what is the mindset? What's the advice that you would give to other people that have been in that situation so they can have a better chance of wrapping that around their minds so they can probably, one, help themselves like you did in your situation to further your career, and two, help the team? Yeah, no, I think those those are both big huge concepts to understand. And as a quarterback, you have a lot of pride about it. You're touching the ball every single play. You're making plays. You're helping your team win. Now, if you get asked to change a position, now you got to take a step back because one of those main goals is helping the team win. And if you're the best athlete on the field at that time as a high school kid, and that means playing quarterback, yeah, for sure. That's that's your spot. That's your role. You're going to help the team win. But if it changes because other people can throw the ball a little bit better and you can bring physicality and you can bring other things to the table, keep that main thing about helping the team win, man, that's that's big. And I feel like having to make that jump as an 18-year-old kid, it's hard. Like I'm not going not gonna to lie to you and say it was easy, but at the same time, having that perspective of what's the goal here? Is the goal to make a career out of this thing? Is it to be a servant to other people? Is it is it to be a good teammate? Is it to help the team win? All of those things aligned with switching positions and a big jump and big, big piece of that was trusting coaches. A lot of people are going to say, Oh, I'm, you know, coach is trying to get, he's out to get me Coach is out to get me. He's not, he's, I'm not one of his guys. You know, he's trying to favorite favorite, be a, a favorite for somebody else. Right. And I'm like, once I took that step back and I wanted to put the team first, I started realizing coaches types of players, they're dudes that show up on time. They're people that help other people. They're people that are servants. They're, they're people that play for the team. They're people that make plays when when um, competitive greatness is there. You, when you're at your best, when your best is required, those are normally coaches' guys, right? They're the guys that are accountable. They're disciplined. They're tough. They're nasty. They have a standard about them. Like I want to be one of coaches' guys. And um, that meant putting down the, the quarterback towel and picking up some fullback wrist pads and freaking laying into linebackers and having a coach that I trusted that said, you know, he, he thought I could have a career in that. I mean, that was the leap of faith I had to make. And you have to you have to trust people and have that support system um, to be able to make it. And, yeah, I think that's my advice. Trusting the people that you're around, trusting coaches, making them right by working your tail off and keeping that main thing about helping the team win. Um, that is one of the biggest values that that's, seems to just not uh, grace the cover of any any um any establishment anymore. And I feel like that's something where that's a little secret sauce right there. So any advice your dad or parents gave you when you were going through this? Because obviously it was probably, you know, a situation where you took that information and went home or maybe to other, you know, confidence on your life, friends, people in your inner circle. Was there any advice that they gave you that helped you adjust to that change as well? Yeah. And having those real conversations is huge, right? Like having a support system that's used to having real conversations. So like having your parents that you trust or friends, coaches, teammates, those people in your corner that know how you think, that know how you work because you have real conversations, you serve one another, you have an open line of communication with one another. 
that's how you're able to make those big decisions, right? Those big life altering decisions. All of a sudden you bounce it off a couple of people that know you know how you think it doesn't become a big decision anymore because there's so many different pieces helping you make that decision. And then you just get led down that path. And I feel like that's a big thing that um, I've learned with a support system is trusting those people, believing in them, um, having real conversations with parents so that when a moment like that comes up and I can call my dad, I can call my mom, I can call someone I need to trust. We can have it. We can lay it all on the line. We can vent it all out. And then we can go make a decision and, and put one foot in front of the other. And having that trust and not hesitating with all that is massive. So finding that support system, it doesn't have to be a lot of people, but a few trusted people that really can lead you in the right direction. That's that's big time in making those big decisions. Well, and Alec, too, I think having people that will like shoot you straight, like yeah. just finding people that are telling you, hey, you're great. You're good. All that stuff. Having people that are going to be honest with you and be like, hey, bro, like quit pouting. Like, let's go, let's get moving. I think that's so important too. I think a lot of times, you know, younger generation, they want to be told that they're, you know, that they're good, they're fine, all that other stuff. No, there's some days that you're not and you're, you know, you need to take a step. And I think for for athletes out there, understand that those people aren't telling you that, you know, to put you down or anything like that. They're trying to be real with you and help you. Yeah, and that's where having that foundation of communication built you get, you get told what you need to hear when you need to hear it, you know, and, and then you don't take it the wrong way. And that's with tough coaching. The minute you, you have a coach that starts giving up on you and stops coaching you up and starts being hard on you, that's where the alarm bells have to go off because all of a sudden you're doing something wrong. You're not taking the coaching point over and over and over again. But having a parent like my dad sit me down after I'm, I go undrafted and let me know it's time to, it's time to put on these big boy pants and go to work. And like you were a grown man now and you weren't coming back to this house. Like you, it's it's time to put food on the table, son. Like we can have that conversation. We did have that conversation because we had 22 years of a relationship built where I knew that he was doing everything out of pure love and building that relationship, that foundation to have those tough conversations. Uh, that That's everything. And that takes effort. So then you go to that first OTA, right? Minicamp, undrafted. You know, you're on field two where everybody else is, you know, you got all the stars and everybody over here. So how do you basically, how do you, you know, give some advice as like how to get noticed, but then Alec is like a follow-up question of that. Now you're established, right? How, what's your mentality going into camp, you know, year two, year three, or on a different team right now you're trying, you know, that you got to prove yourself, but it's in a different way, right? Yeah. I think being patiently impatient. And being seen, not heard are two huge things. Being able to shut your mouth and go to work and, and put it in for as long as it takes and being prepared for your opportunity, being patient with that process. But at the same time, when the opportunity hits, it's it's go time. It's over with, right? And being on field two, like you brought up in that first OTA, it was uh, it was brutal, man. It's four or five months of nobody watching your tape, nobody grading you, nobody caring about whether you made a good play or a bad play. But in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, you have to grow. You have to use that time to your advantage. You have to develop. And that's where you take ownership, right? That's where you take ownership in that journey. So when I'm over on field two and, and all the co coordinators, head coach, you know, position coaches are on field one, worrying about developing their guys, coaching them up, taking that ownership upon myself in that field two where no one's watching you, that helped you know, shut your mouth and just work. And time over time, over time, over time, the opportunity didn't come. And yeah, you're frustrated. You're waiting for that opportunity, but that can't affect the way you show up. That can't affect the way you do the little things. 
You know, I think that's on your walls is that what, what you do, how you do something is how you do everything, right? How you do anything and, is how um, you do everything. Yep. Exactly. And that's, um, you have to live that code and you can't be, you can't get bored with, with growing and developing into all the little details for months, years until you get out that opportunity. So when I did that, get that call, when it was that call to greatness happened and it's like, here's your time, here's your opportunity. You answered that thing, excited, convicted, knowing what's going to happen because you've been through it already. And being seen, not heard is, is tough when you're going into a new environment, but man, choose your hard. It's either going to be hard now being quiet and putting in your time and paying your dues, ready for your opportunity to speak and, and do your thing and, and show people how, how much you care about them. Um, and then on the flip side of that, being on a year five, now where you're a little more established, you have tape in the league. Now you're always being seen. Now you're leading by example. Now you got young cats asking you, how should I do this? How should I do that? And if you aren't acting right, if you aren't doing the right things, man, it's, it's obvious to everybody. And um, so that's where, you know, I think if you're on a different path, if you're trying to be great, if you're trying to be the best version of yourself and you're truly going all in, um, man, you have to live that everywhere. It has to be the practice. It has to be film room. It has to be nutrition. It has to be sleep. It has to be family. It has to be everything. And that can seem daunting to some people, but once you get it rolling, man, it's contagious and it overflows and it's, it gets easier. But once you take that first step, you'll kind of see um, how those dominoes can stack. Well, Alec, talk about the seven crucibles. I read the book and I, I just want to let our listeners know, you know, it, I highly recommend the book. And a lot of our athletes at our school have bought the book also, and, and they're just raving about it. And we're talking about it and having those conversations with athletes. So couple of things in the book. There was two parts in the book. One, you know, after your ACL injury, one of your teammates had some things to, to help you get through that situation. And another situation, after that day of the draft, there was some disappointment, there was some adversity, and your, and your dad was a huge player in helping you. So where these people, you know, they helped you snap out of a funk, as you called it. Have you ever thought about what would have happened and how long would that funk would have lasted if you didn't have people in your inner circle, which we talked about before, who are willing to tell you what you needed to hear? Yeah, I think one of those sayings is like the best time to dig yourself out of a hole was like five years ago. And the second best <laughs> time is today. Right. Like those are the two best times yeah. to, to make a change. Yeah. Um, Derek Carr came up to me. The minute, you know, after the game was over, we lose that that Sunday night football game of the Chiefs. I'm bummed. I'm going to be out for nine months. I have the, all this uncertainty. And he comes up to me. He's like, dude, I've been there. I've had this season-ending injury before. Um, he's like, deal with it how you have to deal with it tonight. But tomorrow when you wake up, you have to decide. You have to make a choice, and you have to own it, how you're going to come back from this thing. And that will always stick with me. It was a quick conversation, but, man, that was leadership right there. That was somebody letting me know, like, <laughs> don't start digging this hole because it's going to take you a while to get out of it. And you're not going to want to, you're not going to want to put yourself behind the eight ball. And, you know, so I go home, my best friend was in town. My best man at my wedding was in town. Um, my fiance is there and we're just, you know, bombed, ripped, hearts broken. But that next morning it was decided, like I was not going to go anywhere without having Everything with that C on that chest, all those responsibilities, I was going to carry that through the end of the year. And I was going to come back better and stronger. And that was decided that night. Um, as for that undrafted situation, 
Oh, shoot. (laughs) When you're told, you know, you're supposed to be drafted and then you watch a couple other guys at your position go in front of you, uh, you watch four hours, three days worth, but, but four hours on that last day of people celebrating with their friends and family, having their dreams come true and yours doesn't, um, not being able to tell your parents that you did it, you made it, that rips your heart out. And my dad, the next morning, sitting me down on the porch and just letting me know, son, you know, it's time to get a job. The the Raiders are not giving you anything. You have to go take everything. You have to earn everything. Um, For him to say that in that moment, like Bot said earlier, like it was tough love. It wasn't, hey, son, it's going to be okay. It's like, no, you got to make it okay. It's real. And having that that relationship, that real relationship, that raw conversation, that's <laughs> what I needed to hear to be able to make it and snap out of that funk. And to have people in your life that can recognize those moments or being one of those people yourself where you can call somebody out and let them know, you know, this it's time to make the change today. Um, a lot of people are scared. Yeah, you know, I was scared in both of those situations. But having someone there to help you along with that is massive. And to face that fear, to write it down to face it head up, give it a face and and go attack it. That's so much different than worrying about it in your head and letting it manifest and think and overthink and underthink. And um, all the things that we deal with now with mental health, it was, all right, here's the action. Let's go get it. And and we're men of action. We're going to go get it. And that's, that was that. So um, man, those, those people, those conversations, those changed my life. And it was in some of the valleys uh, of this journey, but it's also what created those mountaintops. It's the the hard times that you really, really remember when the journey is still going on, right? And you look back and it's something that you can reflect on. And that's that's what drives the best. Is that right? You remember how 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 hard some of the hard was. And you realize sometimes that you have it a little bit better. We when you're starting to feel sorry for yourself, and you're like, wait a minute, I had to go through this. This isn't that bad. And so when you can fight through a couple instances in your life and your career that are really bad, ACL injury, getting traded, getting cut, not getting drafted, not getting a scholarship in college, when you can fight your way you know, into a role or something like that, you can always fall back on that. Like if you get a D in, in a test, okay, well, that's not as bad as when I got cut from that. You know what I mean? So I think those are powerful. Alex. What do you got there, dog? Well, you know, one thing, Alex, you obviously had that support. You know, obviously your dad was a huge part, but what if I'm an athlete out there, a high school athlete, and I don't have that type of support group at home? What would be your advice for those individuals? I think that mentors, support, it's it's all over the place. There are people that want to help you. And if you ask for it, you'll be shocked at how many people are willing to help you out. Coaches, teachers support staff at schools, friends, family members, friend, parents, friends. Like if you ask for help, you will be shocked at the amount of people that are just lining up, waiting to help you, to give you anything that you need, right? And man, I remember being in college, being afraid to go up upstairs to the, to the offices, to the coaches, because, you know, I don't know if they're going to judge me or I don't know if um, my film was good or my practice was good. They might be And once I got over that fear and I just started going up there and asking questions and wanting to be there and figuring things out and learning how to watch film, man, things clicked. All of a sudden you get all this help that you, you ever needed because you just asked for it. Um, And there's strength in that there's strength in curiosity. There's strength in in wondering what's, what else is out there. 
Oh man. And um, to go back on what bot was saying a little bit earlier with those moments, I think um, when you're going through athletics at a younger age, you know, I, I got put in tough situations, but they were in practice rooms. They were in training camps. They were in safe spaces, so to speak, right? Quote unquote, safe spaces. But those moments of sink or swim, your back's against the rope, but you got you to gotta figure out a way to not crack under pressure and succeed and execute when all things are stacked against you, whether that's in a practice or a workout that's crazy hard or conditioning finishers, whatever that is, that is training you for the moment of all of a sudden a big contract's on the line, all of a sudden a job's on the line, all of a sudden food on the table's on the line. You know what I'm saying? So going through those situations in practice, as a younger athlete in middle school, high school, college, whatever that is, those tough moments, those let's push you to the limit and see if you crack or not. Let's see if you sink or swim and get someone, a coach is trying to drown you out there in the deep end. Like being able to overcome that stuff, that helps you, that trains you for the true do or die moments. Um, And I feel like for such a long time, I was, I did not like being uncomfortable. I didn't like getting put in those situations. I I wanted to feel like I was winning all the time. I wanted to feel like I was good. Like I was the best. And once I really got cracked under pressure, when I broke mentally, physically, when I couldn't move anymore, when I, when I couldn't, when I was sinking and no one was going to, no one was there to help me, you know, in those moments, once I start to embrace that, once I started to realize that's where growth happens, man, then, then it was over with. That was a moment of like clarity on, okay, I can be, I can be comfortable being uncomfortable in a practice room, put me in uncomfortable situations so I can grow. So I don't feel uncomfortable when the lights are on. And I feel like that's where, um, having that support system, having coaches, having people that push you is so crucial and critical in your growth and, and developing that killer instinct. Well, at the end of the day, like, you know, when adversity hits, you revert back to your training. So if you haven't prepared yourself in practice in the weight room and all the other things that train you for the game, you know, your statement here that I wrote down is, are you your best when the best is required? Those are the people that can revert back to their training and they're prepared for it. I mean, you talk about guys that are the best, like Jerry Rice. You know, I just listened to a podcast the other day. They talk about Jerry Rice. Every time he caught a, touch, a ball in practice, you know, he ran to the end zone. They had actually shortened the practice field because it's just, you know, kind of the way he was, but he was preparing himself for the game. So, Alec, multi-sport athlete in high school, right? And we all understand the value of in-season training. So how did you manage that when you were in high school, right? I mean, we get those excuses. Well, I can't get stronger because I played football and I wrestled and I played baseball or I ran track and blah, 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 blah. Like a lot of built-ins. Like how did you manage that um, to continue to develop yourself? I got over the fact of like playing sore isn't, isn't a problem. Like you can still play sore. Um, learning how to compete is big in high school. And being a multi-sport athlete is big because you get put in different situations and different circumstances because of the different athletic movements, because of the team dynamic, because of the game dynamic. And you can't replicate the way to compete in all of those ways in any other phase of life. Like you just can't do it. So to be able to put yourself in uncomfortable situations to start a new sport when you might not be as good as another sport. Yeah, that sucks. That's uncomfortable, but that's going to help you compete. That's going to help you grow mentally. It's going to learn how it's going to teach you how to play the game, the game within the game. And to be able to train, like that's a whole nother aspect of if you're trying to grow, you're trying to develop, you know, that is where 
your abilities are able to rise up. That that's where that that floor is able to gradually grow and, and heighten. So being able to play and and compete is one thing. Being able to grow and develop and mature and train throughout all of that, uh, that's a non-negotiable. And to be able to find time, you know, we were shoot, we were uh we were going at six, six thirty in the morning, um, sand workouts down the street at, at the watering hole. We were going um at the gym, opening that thing up in the morning so we could train before school so that, you know, practices wouldn't get interfered with. But that growth, that speed development, that strength training wouldn't have to be sacrificed either. So figure out how much you want it. Um, it's there for you. You just got to go take it. And the answers are there. There's people there that can help you. Um, you just got to find it. You got to ask for it. So yeah, man, it's um, there's answers to the test to be able to train, to be able to whether it's in school, before school, after school, and still find ways to compete. Alec, let's go back to your freshman year in high school. I know it's been a while, but what do you know now that if you had known as a frosh in high school, <laughs> what led to the biggest change in you as an athlete and a person? Ooh, okay. that's a big question. As a freshman, freshman high school, how old am I? 14, 15 years old? Yep. Somewhere yep. around there? Yeah. You know, that's a tough transition. You're going from a middle school to a high school. and Yeah. I, I The biggest thing I would say is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to suck at first. You know what I'm saying? A big a big thing is like fear and like not being good enough. And if I, as a freshman, I was okay with just trying my hardest and like that being good enough and we're going to figure it out afterwards. Uh, that'd be the biggest piece of advice I could give myself is, man, start today. Do your best today. Figure it out today. Go all in today. And whoever is judging you, talking behind your back, giving you the side eye, whatever, the high school stereotypes, like, man, they aren't for you. But you're there for you. And uh, if you give yourself the best shot to do something special, man, kudos to you. Take that take that first step. Be courageous. Do the best you can because what, why else are we here, man? We're, we're, trying, we're all trying to do our best. Well, I think, too, when you, got, when you got people that are, like you said, talking behind your back, you know, quote unquote, the haters in today's society, right? I look at that from two different ways. One, it motivates you, right? It, it should motivate you. And two, every now and then you may be able to get something from those people. Hey, maybe, maybe I am a little off in this area, you know? So if you listen to it from a different perspective, a lot of times when you're younger and try and gain some perspective from it versus being like, that person doesn't like me. I'm not going to listen to what they say. You know, a lot of times that there's a little bit of truth in there that you can take and steal and be like, appreciate you, bro. You know, type of thing. You know what I mean? No doubt. And being the bigger person will never get out of style. Right. Turning the other cheek will never get out of style. So whether you need it for constructive criticism, whether you need it for motivation, use it, man. Use it to fuel whatever you need at that moment. Um, yeah, that's big time. Uh, Multi-sport in high school. You're at UW. Um, did you have more than one running back coach or just coach Seth? I had coach set and then I went to coach uh, Mickey Turner for yep. my junior year. And then I went back to coach settle. Okay. Two pro teams, right? A lot of strength coaches, obviously along the way too. Um, what do you think from your perspective makes a really good coach? Mm. <laughs> I think, I think the best coaches um, love the person, right? Love the human being and hold the player to an extremely high standard. What I mean by that is like, if you care about me as a human being, we have real conversations, whether that's in the margins, right? That's if 
five minutes before workout, I'm showing up and you're asking me how my family's doing, how, you know, my little sister's name, you take the time to, to figure out what I'm about or what I'm into, you know, when we aren't working in that little window, I'm going to respond and take all the tough coaching that I need to take to develop while we're going. And I think that, you know, employee number 30, that's what I am as the Dolphins, right? As a coach, when I clock in, I'm a timestamp. Employee number 30 needs to show up. He needs to execute. It's a production-based business. So hold me to a high standard. Like, totally. Let's let's take that tough coaching. But when it's time to, to stamp off that sheet and you care about the, who I am off the field and where I leave and what I do, and you genuinely take interest in that, I will play my heart out for you because I know that you care because you're taking that extra step, because you're bringing your coaching points and and your culture and your identity that you're trying to preach to life, um, being consistent with all that. So coaches that can love the player and hold the, or uh, love the person and hold the player to a high standard and do both of those things. I think that's the balance that really makes good coaching. Alec, besides awesome. reading the seven <laughs> crucibles, because you know, I'm just big into it just because I just read it and I got so many good notes. Actually, I sent you my notes that I got and also your talk. So I probably thought that was nice for me to share that just kind of what you think that, you know, some of your readers are getting out of the book, but what is your best advice you would give our listeners on setting their goals? Cause in the book, you talked about goals and you had, you had some great things to say about that. So talk about goals. I think that I write down a goal at the beginning of every year. I've written down a goal of what I want to accomplish individually and as a team every single year since my junior year of high school. And individually speaking, I have never accomplished one of my goals. From beginning of the season to the end, I've never checked it off and been like, got it, done, goal accomplished. I have failed all the way to where I'm at right now going into year five of the NFL. And when I say that, like the goal and the standard I hold myself to is as high as I can imagine. I am not afraid of taking big swings, but I do think that helps me give my best effort. That helps me have a chance to succeed. That gives me a chance to win as much as possible, to succeed as much as I was humanly able to to, to succeed. So writing down big, scary, freaky goals that are massive, that other people think are insane and being okay with failing, right? The Vince Lombardi quote is relentlessly pursuing perfection knowing you're not going to accomplish it. Relentlessly pursuing perfection, knowing that it's not attainable. So like, I'm going to pursue perfection, you know? Um, and then along the way, I guess you're going to have to settle for, for the best that you can possibly give because no one's perfect. We're not going to have a perfect season. We're not going to have a perfect game. We're not going to have a perfect snap. There's something that you can always improve on. So knowing that and accepting it, embracing it, when you're writing down that goal, man, dream big, write that goal down, find action steps. You know, do all of the little things it is to accomplish it. And if you fall short, take that growth mindset, take that constructive criticism, find a way to improve and recalibrate and repurpose so you can write down a bigger goal that next year. Um, that's that's my take on goal setting. I think being able to pursue perfection, knowing that it's not going to happen is is a huge key in unlocking someone's potential. And I think I take two things out of that, Alec, right, is you you know that you're not going to reach perfection, right? But you're still chasing it, yep. right? You're not like, oh, I can't do it. So I'm just going to write this goal down as something cool. And the second thing is like set set goals that you know that or, or that you don't know that you're going to get, right? 
setting a goal that you know you can accomplish, that's not a goal. You know what I mean? Set something that you got to chase that's going to, for- like you said, force you to be uncomfortable. That's going to force you to do things that maybe you wouldn't have done had you weren't be chasing that goal. And you're not, you know, at the end of the day, like you can say that you fail, you're not failing. You know what I mean? I mean, you're, you're developing the discipline to go after things that are, that are bigger than maybe what you think you can achieve. But at some point you're going to achieve one of them. You're, you're holding yourself to the highest possible standard. Yeah. And developing the discipline that you need to win and succeed in life. And whether that goal happens or not, that, that perfection might not happen. But if you go all in with yourself, if you push all those poker chips in the middle of the table and you're going to bet on yourself, man, there is, there is no holding back. And that puts you in a, in a spot of sink or swim. That puts you in a spot of you need to, to do everything you possibly can in the preparation phase to perform at your highest level. And that preparation t- phase, taking ownership of that, chasing greatness, being all in on your prep, like that's stuff you can control. The performance, you know, the enemy gets a vote too. You right. know, I might, I might be, I might be going up against some dudes that are just ballers that are just better than you, right? They, they get a vote too. But to truly prepare and truly turn over every stone and have the courage to say, I went all in, I gave it my all, and yeah, I fell short. But that's okay. I'm gonna find a new way to improve, to grow, to develop. So the next time I go all in man, you better be praying. Like it's, it's, it might be a different result. And um, having that courage to do that time and time again, that confidence, uh, that's big time. Alec, I mean, it's unbelievable advice. And I, I just feel so grateful you came and spoke to our uh, football team, it, it, you know, to take that time away from your day and, and to uh, inspire our athletes. And like you said, your identity is you're an NFL football player. But your purpose is so much bigger than that. Your purpose is to change people's lives and make a difference in kids' lives and, and our listeners' lives in, in this episode. And I just really appreciate everything you've done. You've made me a better coach just by listening to you on the podcast, coming and speaking to our athletes, and having the opportunity for me to read your book. I appreciate you giving back and, and really taking your platform and using it for a huge positive advantage to it. That's going to affect lots and lots of people. I appreciate that. Yeah. That purpose thing is huge. Like it's not exactly what you do, bringing some juice on on how you do it and why you do it and who you do it for, like answering those questions and having conviction in that, um, that allows you to, to fill your cup up every single day and pour into other people. Um, and I feel like that just, that allows for real relationships for people to say, uh, to serve, to share with one another, and, and constantly grow and be the best version of yourself. So um, being able to have platform like this, to be able to share these, these messages, this, this testimony of, of adversity and, and toughness, like, man, that's what it's all about. And I feel like it gives purpose to being able to strap up on Sundays, wear that 30 for that, that teal and orange and be able to, to go out and give your best effort. And um, you know, that's something that I'll carry with me on the, on the field and off the field. And I feel like that's something where if we can all do that together, uh, we're going to have a shot at doing something special. So and Brian, go ahead. Go ahead, Doug. All right, true story. You know, I was setting up the camera and everything and getting ready for, for Alec to go ahead and speak. And all of a sudden, I'm coming down the auditorium and I'm looking for Alec. And here, I can't find him. And here he's sitting in the auditorium seats talking to the football kids. And it just shows you what kind That's of guy Alex me. is. I mean, it just jumps right in there. And I'll tell you, you know, as, as you probably already know, those kids were just ecstatic. And that, you know, you would do that. You would, 
you know, really be involved with them and you weren't standoffish at all. You just got right in there. Like you were still one of the high school kids and have an incredible conversation. I'll tell you, those kids will remember that forever. That's what it's all about, man. Creating those environments, creating those memories. And it's like, you never know um, that impact. So why shortchange it? Why be fake? Why try and persuade somebody to think something else? Like this is, this is a life. This is what we've done. This is what we've gone through. And let's go do it together and, and truly serve one another. And that's, that's big time right there. So let's, let's get some books sold. Where could, where could people get the book? Where Man, got to go to Amazon, amazon.com, the seven crucibles. That's easy. Otherwise, if, if Amazon, you can't think of that, you can't remember that off the top <laughs> of the head, alecingold.com. It's going to be like it's literally website, the first right? page. It'll just pop up. Literally, you can just click the button. So I, I try to make it as easy as possible. Just the name, alecingold.com. Uh, Freaking dial it in there. And then on social, where can, where can people follow? You got a great social media page. Yeah. Um, you probably just search my name in the, in the, uh, in the search bar. Um, you're like me, you can't remember what it is. (laughs) Yeah. AIXLV. Um, that'll be Instagram, Twitter, same thing right there. LinkedIn, uh, hit me up. I'm pretty responsive on on all those platforms. So you got questions. You want me to come to, uh, speak to your team. If you want to get copies of the book signed, whatever it is, like, uh, I'm always there. I'm on it. Uh, I'll be, uh, really responsive here. So, um, socials are great as well. Well, I tell you what, you know, um, you know, I've known you for a while, known you from, you know, undrafted into, you know, being a, a great player, uh, better person. I, I have to say that, you know, and you're really, you're a hell of a player, but what you're doing in the world, my man is, is really special. Uh, I'm really proud of you. Um, I, I love watching what you're doing because that that's you have a gift you truly have a gift alec and um you know the people in in the communities you're in uh, are so blessed and i love watching it and um i'm I'm just going to tell you this you know this may be a little disappointing to you we had to take the uncle larry's sign down because we read but just hold on bro hold on okay we had to take it down we had we had to redo the verona area a little bit right we upped it so the Uncle Larry's barn sign is going in my garage, and we're going to create Uncle Larry's barn in my garage. We're going to create a little little hardcore weight room area. Um, we're going to hang that sign up, and it's going to be a fitting place to display the sign. I was so disappointed, and you totally redeemed yourself. <laughs> totally redeemed yeah, yourself. We're not, not getting rid of that, so... But anyways, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. 100th episode. Thank you so much. Remember, uh, if, you know, if the episode, you know, hits you in any way, share it. Share it with your friends. That's how we get the messages out. Uh, Incredible messages. I would strongly suggest listening to us more than once with a pen and paper, writing down some notes so you can get some great nuggets out of it. Elk, love you, brother. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Appreciate it. Let's go.